Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. And twistedness. So, Father, we thank you this morning that we gather here as your people. We gather here as those that you've called out of darkness into your glorious light. We have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been cleansed. We've been set apart and sanctified as your church, the body of Christ. So we pray, Lord, that even as we gather, your promises are fulfilled, that when we dwell together in harmony, you pour out your spirit from the head all the way to the feet, and that we might be the recipients of your grace, of your love, and of your life. We pray, Lord, that you give us peace and allow us to grow and mature in these things. Allow us to be the head and not the tail. Allow us to be blessed as we go in and as we go out. Allow your word to be a good seed planted in good hearts that will give forth good fruit, Lord. Father, that we would be prepared to answer the adversary, that we might advocate for the things that you love, Lord, uh, the things that you represent. And let us be your people by standing where you stand and being who you are, Lord. Let us embody Christ in us, the hope of glory. So give us understanding, give us wisdom, and let us... Um, let us Journey this terrain in a manner that honors you, that glorifies you. And then when we stand before you, that we not be ashamed because we represented your interest and your heart to our generation. We glorify you. We bless you. Give us understanding and wisdom that we might be able to pass down the blessing to our children in the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So the... The landscape of recent um, issues with regards to uh, the United States, uh, the, uh, there was a gathering of the Supreme Court justices, those judges that sit in the highest court of the land. And, and you'll see that, that the controversies that govern our affairs in the United States are decided by this group of people. So uh, there is a leak uh, to one of the decisions that they're making, and it regards the the uh, issue of Roe v. Wade, which was a case back in 1973. Um, 1973, the the justices of the court decided that that abortion was a constitutional right uh, for every person to decide on their own. So they made it the law of the land where there was abortion on demand. Uh, I want you to re remember this number in the United States since 1963. You could always say 63 million. 63 million. Not $63 million, but 63 million lives have been aborted in the United States. Uh, these are those that have intentionally gone into a hospital or a clinic to be able to, um, to cut the life in the womb off. Um, to say, no, we don't want you to come upon the earth. And so in that regards, they, they drop the argument all the way down to the human level. Um, the woman has a right to do with her body as she pleases. Um, uh, the church has no, uh, no place in this affair. Uh, they want us not to uh, opine, to give an opinion, to have a stance. But the truth of the matter is, I have a responsibility as a man of God in my generation to speak the word of God. And you that call yourself a Christian must not be ashamed of standing where God stands in this issue. In fact, it's important that you would do so. Um, and, and you might be a person that says, you know, this is getting a little bit, um, you're, 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 you're stepping on people's toenails but, but the truth of the matter is that understanding the issue might help you in your journey, um, especially for the plight of this generation of young people. Under the age of 18, even those under the age of 25 have grown up without clarity to this issue. The church hasn't spoken with clarity with regards to God, life, and abortion, and so um, we need to equip them with the weapons to stand where they would stand as God would have it. Um, I read 2 Peter 2.7. The Bible says it was Lot 
living in Sodom? What, what would it be like that you live in a, a twisted culture? And the Bible says that God was able to deliver righteous lot. We, we're the waves. Yesterday, I was sitting before Armando Ibanez's son. Um, how old is Chris now? 17 years old. And I said, you know something? You're living in a generation that is so twisted that we didn't have to go through those issues when we were your age. You have to deal with transgender. Um, I, I heard a real funny thing. The guy says, I, I want to be trans economic. I'm a rich man living in a poor man's body. Um, but so the scenario is that this young culture needs to deal with issues we never had to deal with and fight battles that we never had to fight. So it's important that we equip them. And we see here Lot living in Sodom. You could just imagine the twistedness of Sodom as men surround the house to want to rape another man. And it says he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. I don't know about you, but if you have just a little bit of the spirit of God in you, this generation is not easy to confront. I always thought my grandmother was going to die of a heart attack when she saw the things that were going on in this generation. She was 90 years old, and I was like, Grandma, you sure you want me to tell you what's going on out there? Because it's not consistent with, with the morality and the laws of the past. And here, Lot is oppressed because of filthy conduct. When, when you start talking about what filthy conduct is of the wicked, let's go to verse 8. The Bible says, For that righteous man dwelling among those wicked people were tormented. There, there was a torture in his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Now, it was just a couple of years ago that they, they approved the partial birth abortion, which means you can kill a child. Um, you bring the whole body of the child out, but if you clip his spinal cord underneath his brain inside the womb, you didn't kill a human. And the bizarreness of how humans have come to think that they could sit there and bypass these things, uh, saying that that life in the womb is not life. So when is it life? And then how is it life? And does it live outside the womb? But God has clarity in these issues. And when you do not, if you don't hear God and see God, you'll be chaos and confused. You won't know what stance to take. Uh, recently, some people says, well, we, we want to take a sonogram so that you can figure out what the baby's going to look like. So you decide if you keep them or if you give them away. And so they, they looked into the womb and saw a baby. Um, the, the syndrome it had, let me show it so I, I don't mess up. They found the baby had a syndrome called Tetra Amelia syndrome. Tetra Amelia syndrome, a rare disorder characterized by the absence of all four limbs. What do you do with a child? that has no arms and legs. Well, if you think like, like wicked people, you say, what's the use of a person without arms and legs? Well, his use is for the glory of God. And he's traveled the world, and the statistics are amazing with this young man. Um, the amount of people that have come to the Lord because of his testimony his name is Nick uh, Vulchisik. He's been on 3,500 stages in 74 countries telling people, do not kill life in the womb. He's an advocate and a voice against abortion, knowing that God has purpose with all things created in the laboratory of the womb. The Bible says the fruit of the womb is my reward. It's the heritage of the Lord. It belongs to God. It's highly sacred. And God says that we're to respect it. 
we're to choose life, to celebrate it, to defend and to protect it. So you don't have to, oh, where do I stand on this issue? Here's where you stand. That life from the womb to the tomb belongs to God. That's it. You don't have to get into politics. You don't have to go into the gender wars. All you have to do is stand where God wants his people to stand and stop being part of the silent majority. Those who do not have a voice. Those that have misplaced compassion. Well, I'm thinking about the women and nobody's thinking about them. Well, let me just tell you that God has a purpose in all these things. A lot of times the economy of God is so much different than ours. I I heard these words many years ago, love your enemies. And like, no way. That's That's not the column I have them on. It has nothing with blessing or loving them. It's more like killing them and cursing them. But that's not where God stands. So I would suggest if you have a problem standing where God stands, ask God to give you the ability to see farther than you see. That God might give you the right answer. Like one day, a young man came into my law office. You guys know the story. I've shared it often. I had gone to college with this young man. We were very good friends. His name, Octavio. And Octavio, in in English, is Octavius. And we went to college together. And he was such a um, jovial, funny guy. Funny, funny, funny. And we had a great time. and, And we became somewhat college buddies. But then years would go by. About 10 years went by. And I would graduate as a lawyer. He went on to... Uh, be in the medical field and and all of a sudden he shows up at my law office unannounced one day and he says I come to see you because I got married to my college sweetheart and we had one baby and we have a beautiful family it's Octavio his college sweetheart and their son and he says but I said why are you here he goes because I need a divorce and I said why do you want a divorce And he says, because my wife does not understand that we are a young family, that we don't have the finances necessary, and she's pregnant again, and I want to take her to the abortion clinic so that we can plan our family. And I said, Octavio, let me get this straight. You're leaving your wife because she's defending the child of yours in her womb. Is that correct? He goes, yeah. I don't think we could afford it. I said, my friend, let me tell you first and foremost, you are an imbecile. Because if you have found a wife that will stand against you strong to defend your child and you want to leave her for that, you are an imbecile, you have a great wife and my suggestion, my friend, is that you not get divorced but that you keep her and keep your child. And so I talked to him like that. He got very upset. He didn't want to hear those words. So he picked up and just stormed out of my law office. This was about 25 years ago. So I imagine that young man around there is 25. But here's the story. I thought he was going down the street to get divorced from another lawyer. Because there's a divorce attorney in Miami on every corner. So I thought I would never see him again. Well, sure enough... Two years later, I'm coming out of the courthouse. I was here in Miami. I'm coming out of the criminal courthouse uh, defending a client. And all of a sudden, I hear, Joaquin! Joaquin! And I looked all over. I was up on top of the steps. I look over into the parking lot, and it was this man waving his hands. I was like, well, who is this? And it was Octavio. And I said, "What, what happened? He goes, you don't understand. That day that you told me what you told me, we had our baby. I said to him, did you name him Joaquin? He goes, no, no. I... But I've given that advice to eight more couples. So what was deposited in him not only saved the life of his son, but the life of potentially eight other couples. Because someone has to stand up to defend 
those who cannot speak for themselves. And that someone is you. That someone is me. We must stand where God stands. And here are a couple of the uh, points. And if you forget everything else in this preaching, remember, we are the defenders of life from the womb to the tomb. The utmost important protective sacredness inside the womb. Because God is the creator and the giver of life. Making these children in the image and likeness of God. Job 31.15, it says, Did not he who made me in the womb make him? Wasn't it the same designer? Isn't it the same quality of life, me that I'm outside, create that same thing that is growing now inside the womb? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? In other words, that once this life is conceived and starts moving in the direction of birth, it's sacred unto God. It doesn't matter in what capacity he comes. So we had the testimony. Uh, we did a marriage conference a while back, and there was a couple who, who told us that, that they, they were having a baby. They were married. They were having a baby. And all of a sudden, because of the sonogram, because of all the developments of medical science, they saw that the baby would be born without a brain. A brainless baby. And so sure enough that we could deal with, with limb, I think the, the guy's name is uh, limbless, I, I, they have a name for him uh, in that regard. But this man that was born without limbs, um, you could say, okay, well, maybe we could, we could raise a baby without limbs, but not one without a brain. So this couple had just come to the Lord, and they wanted to know, Lord, where do you stand with regards to us having a baby in the womb that now is not going to have a brain? The brain did not develop. The rest of the body did. And all of a sudden, um, they decide to stand where God stands, and they're going to defend and celebrate and choose life. And so the parents got super upset. And the parent says, if you do this, we'll, we won't speak to you. That's, that's insane. That's absurd. They started thinking, okay, if God has given us a baby and it's going to have every organ and every member, then we will donate these organs to, to babies that need them, that are born with, with the genetic disorder of hearts and, and lungs and kidneys. And, and maybe God has given us a baby so that we can help other families and other babies. So they're going to take it to full term. And they had the, the, the candidates ready for the implants, the organ donors. And, and, and they, were, they were all going to receive their organs from this baby that was going to be born totally healthy but without a brain. And so all of a sudden, they said, look, the, the, the span we have... These babies usually live for like two hours outside of the womb without a brain. And during those two hours, as soon as he or she stops breathing, then we will be able to take and, and, and salvage those organs to do these transplants. And so they were, they were prepared. They said, thank you, Lord, to give us a baby that will save so many other families and babies. And always with the utmost spirit that God has a purpose behind everything he does that God has a plan and so all of a sudden the baby is born and they're waiting for it to take its last breath and it doesn't die and it continues to live and it passed two hours past three hours four hours five hours six hours and all of a sudden the doctors were upset at this couple early on and the doctors were like we don't understand why you would want a baby without a brain that you know is going to die. And they said, listen, God is the one that gives breath and he will be alive as long as God gives it breath and upon its final journey of breathing its last, God would have accomplished the purpose. Now that girl's father was estranged from her and did not want to talk to her, but because of the baby, he came into the room where the baby was and she was holding her baby in her arms and um, she and the, her husband were able to lead her atheist father to the Lord. Now the baby has purpose. 
Now the baby has eternal purpose. Because not only did the father come to the Lord, but all the nurses on that floor and all the doctors and everyone that had to do anything with that baby had confessed Christ as Lord. It wasn't until 28 hours later that that baby breathed its last and died. And the funeral was an opportunity to bring hundreds of family members and friends to the Lord. And that baby in its existence in this lifetime probably brought more people to Jesus. About 150 people got saved because of that baby's short life than maybe some of you who've lived a full life. So we see God's purpose in all these things and we marvel and we celebrate. And you guys could applaud God as you celebrate what God has chosen. Because we don't know the level and the extent of what God fulfills in his purpose, allowing these babies. Psalm 127 verse 3, behold, children are the Lord's inheritance. What is the design behind this time of suffering and hardship, but that it has an eternal purpose in Christ? Knowing that these rewards, it says the fruit of the womb is a reward. There's great things to be had through this journey and we must not cut things short before God fulfills his entire purpose Jeremiah 1 4 the Lord says the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you before I formed you before I formed you in the womb I knew you there's a connect with these children and God and God has a purpose and before before, before you were born, before you were fashioned, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordered your purpose like a prophet who goes to the nations. There's an incredible amount of purpose in the womb that is untapped potential to see the glory of God here upon the earth. So next time somebody tells you, well, I decided, I don't know what is, you say, listen to me, let that thing go into the hands of God. And let it go full wrong in the direction that it's going because it will be glorious. You could be the announcer of good tidings and not the fear of many women and many men. I want to say that it's the men's responsibility for what is deposited in the sacred womb. All this argument about a woman's right or what the judges decide is ultimately an irresponsible male who's not standing where God wants him to stand. If you were man enough to go into intimacy, then be man enough to have the fruit of what you've sown. And so we, we see a huge silence in regards to where is the negligible, irresponsible, immature, imbecile father of a child that he's not responsible over. Isaiah 44, 24 says to us, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things. I have a purpose with the things I make as I outstretch the heavens and spread out the, the abroad the purposes of the earth by myself. God has a destined purpose in all these things. I want to say the greatest gifts that have been given into the hands of men are disabled children. It takes them a lot deeper in significance and purpose than a full-bodied child does. I was watching a man, he was walking down the, the beach last summer, right before COVID, and he was walking down the beach, and I saw him pondering and looking out into the horizon. So I wonder, what is this man thinking? Because he's so deep in pondering and the significance of life that I approached him. I said, listen, I've been seeing you walk every afternoon here, and... And to me, you're deep into thought. And then he, he turned around. He says, see that little guy over there? He's 25, 25 years old, but he, he was like underdeveloped. He was a Down syndrome child. And he says, that's my son who came into my life 25 years ago. And ever since he came to my life, it has brought a significance and a purpose to life I would have never had without him. Here this young man was far away from him, so I could never see him. But then when he made mention to him, I looked back, and that young man was imitating his father in everything he would do. When his father would cross his arms, you see that little boy over there? He's 25 years old. He's crossed his arms. 
And, and he just, everything his father did every day, they would walk one hour that way and then one hour back and everything, the significance of that man's life changed as he had to consider slowing down to accommodate this child. And a lot of times we're going fast and furious. We accommodate no one and life has no purpose. Psalm 22, 9. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. Lord, you caused me to be in that place. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. God is overseeing these matters. I want to go on record saying this and for whatever it's worth, 63 million babies slaughtered inside their mother's womb. If you ask me, that's a lot of blood. And the Bible says that God gives an account for Abel's blood as he tells Cain, your brother's blood is calling me from the tomb. You took your brother's blood, you took his life, and now his blood is crying out to me. What would be the voice of the blood of 63 million babies in this nation? And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think that America is going to be judged strongly by God. And I wouldn't put it past me that all the nuclear bombs held in our silos would go off and cause America to disappear from the face of the earth because of the wrath and the judgment of God. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah, where there is no more life in that area because the sins of Sodom went up before the Lord and he caused fire and brimstone to fall on that place. I was physically there in 2007. It's the place where the Dead Sea resides. And you know how much life there is in the Dead Sea? Zero. The judgment of God comes and stamps out the life of everything that has breath. There are no plants. There are no marine animals. There's no fish in there because the judgment of God came in that place. Now, what would it be that God would wipe America from the face of the planet like he's done so many times before in so many places because we have stood there and watched the slaughter of 63 million babies without flinching an eye. One of the things that Nick Volkacek, he, he mentions Planned Parenthood being the recipient of, of hordes of millions upon millions of dollars from the banking industry. Planned Parenthood is supported in the United States by the most major banks and all this money going in the direction of the enterprise of killing babies in the womb and he says he can't believe the amount of money that is financing this venture and bishop wellington boone would say that it is a genocide directed at the inner cities to kill off blacks and latinos because that's where 80% of all this enterprise goes. It's directed at diminishing the peoples of the land. Isaiah 49.1 says, listen to me, coastlines. Listen to me and give attention, you peoples, from afar. It is the Lord who calls us from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. In other words, God is in the assignment. Let God have his way. Let God fill the earth with his glory. Galatians 1.15, Paul realizes also. He says, when it was God's pleasure, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, calling me through his grace. All these men knew that this enterprise began in the womb and God was the author of life. Genesis 29, 31, it says, when the Lord saw Leah was hated, he is the one that directed her womb to give birth, but he closed Rachel's womb. We see he who opens the womb and he who closes the womb is the same person. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 if you're ever in the 
balanced to know what to do. The Bible tells you what to do. I, I thank God for the word of God. It doesn't leave us confused or disoriented. I call heavens and earth as my witness today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life in every expression of it that both you and your descendants might live. It is there in Psalm 139 verse 13 that we see the intricacies that happen inside the womb as God explains it. For you formed me at my inward parts. This, this incredible development of the inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You put me in a sacred place. I believe it was intended by God to be the safest place on the planet. That no woman would allow their child to be destroyed within them. Who was to think that in our generation, the womb has become the most dangerous place to live on the planet? That you're more likely to live in war than you are in the womb. That you're more likely to live uh, in Miami-Dade County traffic than in the womb. Where you're supposed to die in the natural and, and, and you, God planted you in the place where you're supposed to live. And there he continues to say in verse 14, I will give thanks and praise to you. I, I think if we start out in that premise of letting fear be subsided by truth, begin to praise, begin to praise God. Uh, we had a young girl here about 15 years ago. She had come and she had a horrible relationship with her husband. She had a boy and all of a sudden there was a reconciliation. She got pregnant but the, 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 the relationship went sour again. So she says, I'm not going to bring this baby into this chaos. So we begin to advocate for that child. And I can tell you that the mom, because she was here amongst our church and surrounded by people that gave her the assurance of God's faithfulness, she had her baby girl. It's so precious to see that we were able to fight for life and see the fruit of it come to bear. To give thanks and praise God. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. What's coming out of the fruit of the womb belongs to God. That my soul knows very well. And it goes in verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. God puts these things together. He limits the areas he wants to limit. His glory will be seen in those areas that are weakest. A people is known by protecting the defenseless. A people is known to be great by standing up for those that can't stand up for themselves. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, Verse 16, your eyes have seen my yet-to-be-formed substance. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. It wasn't even developed yet. And, and we see God watch this play out. And in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me. If it's one day in God, praise the Lord. If it's a hundred years, praise the Lord. Who are we to determine how long a child is to live? And in your book, these are all written. The days fashioned for me. What you wanted to take place, how you wanted it to take place. When as of yet, there was none of them in existence. God was overseeing these. In Luke chapter 1 verse 41, we see Elizabeth being visited by Mary. And the baby inside the womb was leaping for joy at this greeting. The babe leaped in her womb. It's not a mass of cells. It's a life with a spirit. A life with a spirit that belongs to God. And so these are the affairs that are in God's sovereign choice and economy. Ecclesiastes 11.5 says that these are paths that belong to God. As you do not know what is the way of the wind. You don't know why it is sent or how the bones grow in the womb 
of her who is with child. So you do not know what God is working out who's making everything. We, we got to leave this in God's hands. And we have to stand up. Proverbs 31, I believe it's verse 8. It says, stand up and speak. Open your mouth for those who cannot speak. How would your argument go about defending life? How would your, how would your conversation go about explaining these matters to people that are demon-possessed, some upset others? The, the list I have of, of the scenarios of people that are confronted with this cause of abortion is crazy. I, I want to mention them real quick because we don't know who are these people that are going through these situations and how are we now brought in the midst of them and how we're going to explain them or reason them out? How is it that you're going to have a conversation with a daughter that doesn't want to tell her parents that she's pregnant? She's already provided for an abortion to take place and she doesn't want to tell her parents. How about the parent that is taking their daughter who doesn't want an abortion and taking her to the clinic saying, listen, this falls on you and I economically, so you're not having that child. I have a list of the unpleasant situations of unplanted, unwanted pregnancies. One of the hardest things to face and figure out what's going on. I pray that you might be able to align yourself in such a manner that, that you honor God. I'm just going to continue on because this is just too much. Here it is. A boyfriend or a husband who takes his girlfriend or wife to get an abortion. One man told me, my wife can't stand me. I said, I wonder why. He told me a little bit more. I've taken her to get 15 abortions. That woman has so much resentment and bitterness in her heart. God have grace and save her with his overwhelming love. People who help perform abortions, doctors and nurses, those that they call healthcare. I was listening to one of these doctors. She said that she made an oath to defend life and to bring healing. How does she justify murder? How does she justify coming against the unborn? People who lost grandchildren, people who have lost little brothers and little sisters to abortion. This is in the family trade. It's there. Uh, grandma used to tell me that in Cuba, she had gone through so many abortions. She was ashamed. She, she carried that her whole life. When she came to Christ, he forgave her. She repented. She was washed and cleansed. All that shame and guilt was washed away by the blood of the Lamb, which it should be also our our part in this whole thing to be able to lead people to that forgiveness to let people know that that is not the unforgivable sin to let people know that God is prepared to wash and cleanse you and remove that guilt and shame as far as the east is from the west he's able to wash us and cleanse us and not hold our sins against us if we confess them a person who survived abortion maybe like in my case, people don't know that. When I was in my mom's womb, mom got the mumps. My dad was concerned because he's a doctor and took her to a, another doctor to convince my mom to get rid of that baby because he wasn't going to come out normal. How many people know I'm not normal? <laughs> mom says, Marilu, por favor. Mom says, I already felt the baby in my womb. I can't get rid of it. And they insisted, but you don't understand that mumps during pregnancy uh, has a high risk of having issues. And she said no. And she defended that baby in her womb, and here he is changing the world. 
a mom who conceived when she was 13 and taken to the doctors by her, her mother forced to give up the baby. A woman advised by her doctor to get an abortion, but she didn't. Someone who had an abortion appointment schedule and, and was able to cancel it at the last moment. A woman who brings flowers to the abortion clinic on the anniversary of the death of her son every year. The stigma goes far past that operation, that moment where you're not thinking like God wants you to think. That you don't have access to the, to the counsel of God. Proverbs 31.8 says, speak for those who cannot speak. You, you have to, in the cause of all who are appointed to die. I, that, that sounds like abortion to me. People who have made appointments and you're to speak on God's behalf and, and the Bible says speak to them as if God were imploring, as if God were begging for them to walk in the right direction. Um, verse 9, open your mouth and judge righteously. Be on the right side of this issue. That's why this message is so important for our church today. I don't think God is going to bypass us acting like we're not living this stuff. And that's why I'm compelled to give this message. We have to equip our children to know how to be, how to be compelling and convicted deep inside that the, when they stand where God wants them to stand, they're fit to see the glory of God and have high rewards in heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You saw the least of these, my brethren, and you stood up and spoke. You said something. We should all post something on social media and let people know where we stand. Let them come in the direction of life and light and peace. Plead the cause of the poor and the needy. That's what makes you righteous. Open your mouth. Say something. Say something on the behalf of these children. Proverbs 24, 11, rescue those that are being taken away to death. Those that are being staggeredly moved to the slaughter. Deliver those that are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Hold them back. Give them rhyme and reason according to the heart. Pray with them. Call out to them. Verse 12, you cannot say, surely we did not know this was going on. Too much blood. It's not a woman issue. It's not a political issue. It's not a man issue. It's a God issue. That's his workbench. He who keeps your soul. Does he not know? And will he not render to each man according to his disposition? God, we're in the balance of the scales of God's justice. That's why he says in Psalm 82 verse 3, Give justice to the weak and to the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Verse 4. Stand on the side of those who need to be stand on behalf. Free them from the hand of the wicked. I cannot believe that there's actually people who are proponents of death. But seeing that when Moses was going to be born, all the children in Egypt were killed, and seeing when Jesus was born, all the children under the age of two were killed. And so the devil has an onslaught of destroying these babies and these children, that they not fulfill the purpose of God. Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness. You have stood up in integrity, virtue, in the purpose of God and hated lawlessness, now God is going to anoint you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Those stories of saving these babies are glorious stories. People who have stood on behalf of the unborn and seen the fruit of their labor shall be praised by God. God understands when he makes us what's taking place. Exodus 4.11 a long time ago, he says, I'm the one that makes a blind man blind. I'm the one that makes a deaf boy deaf. So the Lord says, who has made man's mouth? 
Or who makes a person with the inability to speak mute or deaf or blind or seen? Has not I made them, says the Lord? And there's where you have to say, absolutely. Have your way, O Lord. Fulfill your purpose. Let us see your glory. Let us see the purposes fall out in the direction of God. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to him who strives, who strives with the one who made him. If you have an issue with how God makes things, take up your issue with God. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. And shall the clay say to him who formed it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he made an error, he has no hands? No, God does as he pleases. Verse 10, woe to him who says to the father, why are you bringing this forth? Why are you bringing this forth? And to the woman, what? Have you brought forth? What is this? We know the story of Bernadette Todd. She's here in South Florida. She was born with a spinal disease. She was purposed unto a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And she said, why did God create me like this? I don't understand it. But on the first day of her college, she went to college and this six foot good looking young man opened the door for her. And he fell head over heels for her in love. And they would marry. And it was crazy because no one understood how God would cause this romance that has filled the earth with the glory of God. This man fell in love with this black Haitian girl. And he's a white, handsome, tall young man. And he bathes her and he takes care of her and he clothes her and he picks out her clothes and her makeup and he does her hair. It's phenomenal to see the grace and the love of God in this romance, true romance. And the world would never see that had her mom decided to get away and destroy that baby in the womb. Matthew 25, I have these verses here that that talk about the Lord separating the, the sheep from the goats. And one of the key objects that he does in Matthew 25, verse 40, he says, they ask him, when did we, when did we see you and feed you and, and clothe you and, and visit you? And he says like this, I surely, I say to you in as much as you did this to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Your direction in the opposite course of what God created causes you to be numbered amongst those that will be launched into the lake of fire. He separates the sheep and the goat in this passage. Let's go there very quickly because I, I want to show you that it's a glimpse of eternity when it says when the Lord returns in his glory, he's going to separate. Verse 31, Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, he will, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Verse 34, Then the king will come on those on his right hand. He says, come on, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you took me in. Verse 36. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? Verse 38. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Verse 39. When did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? Verse 40. The king will assuredly answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did this to 
the one of my little ones, the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I think God is clear. I think his word is clear. I think God wants us to be on the right side of history. He wants us to delineate on the right side of judgment. We're going to have testimonies to that after today's word goes out to the nations. It is God who gives man the breath of life and only God can require it. Let's stand this morning and glorify the Lord. It's not when you celebrate good things that you identify with God. In Luke 14, 13, he says, but when you give a banquet table or you give a party, invite the poor, invite the disabled, the lame, and the blind. Then you will be blessed. They cannot repay you. You will be paid at the resurrection when the Lord returns. There are things that we do in this life that we're not going to see the benefit or the blessing for until we are in the next life. In John chapter 9, verse 3, they saw a man who was disabled, blind from birth. And the disciples asked the question we all ask. Why is he like that? Was this his parents' sin or his own sin? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned that caused this disabled situation. But this is the works of God that these this glory should be revealed through him in his lifetime. There's a platform that children have that is different than our platform, and they're born with purpose, and they're born with the glory of God. And the Bible says that he's prepared to see us move in this direction. For the last hundred years, the courts have protected turtle eggs, the monarch butterfly, the whale the spider, but they have not protected the fruit of the womb. This is our responsibility. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you give us sufficient grace to carry this burden that our generation seems to have issue with. And Lord, we have decided this morning, we have meditated on your word, and we decide that from the womb till the tomb, we will choose life. We will celebrate the deposit in a sacred place to a sacred God with sacred purposes. They're mysterious to us and they're unknown. They have brought fear on the lives of millions upon millions of women who do not know that you're the defender of the fatherless and that you stand strong on the fruit of the womb. We pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom, give us understanding, allow us to grow in these affairs and to mature in this process to be a voice to those who do not have a voice and stand strong on behalf of those who aren't able to stand for themselves. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen.